Snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the two, to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Not a bad start. It's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. He's going for Landry down by the end zone. A tumbling catch for a touchdown. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. Mayfield's got the snap. Looks right, throws right, end zone. Touchdown. Anybody's the same old Browns. You, it's not the same old Browns. This is different. Hey, everyone. Welcome in. This is not the same old Browns podcast. I am your host, Andy Lytle. And welcome into episode seven. I uh, hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast. I know I've been having a blast doing it. Um, again, I say this every week, uh, but I truly mean it. Thanks to everyone for all the uh, positive feedback uh, y'all been hitting me up with on Twitter. Um, even some of the negative feedback, because you know all feedback is good feedback. So I, I just appreciate that people are listening and they seem to be enjoying it. It's a little different <clears throat> around here uh, compared to maybe some other Browns podcast, um, but uh, I. I like the direction the show's going, and I'm having a blast doing it. And um, if, if you were thinking about maybe is any way you want to help out the show, there's a couple ways. Uh, one, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave the show uh, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps the show. It'll help get it out to other uh, Browns fans that might enjoy this type of content. And uh, also, if you have family or friends that are Browns fans, you think they'd like the show, share the podcast with them. Um, you know, I'd Get it out there. Uh, so we want as many Browns fans tuning in as we possibly can. And, sp- and speaking of uh, Apple Podcasts and five-star reviews, we did get another five-star review. Um, it was titled Great Pod. Uh, it was from Javon from the 216. Yo, Javon, what's up, bud? Appreciate you. I love listening to Andy and his guest. It's laid back and enjoyable. Best intro to a pod of all time. Javon, thank you, man. Uh, that intro, I actually edited all the highlights of the intro myself. Um, however, the music, if you listen to that music uh, in the, uh, as, the, as the background to the intro, that was actually created and written just for this show. Um, a mutual friend of mine who's actually, uh, his name is David Rice. He is a musician. Um, I know him through my friend, Brian, who I co-host the other podcast I do dead in Santa Carla, the horror horror movie podcast. They've known each other for years. Uh, David is a talented musician. Uh, he's been in a band in the past that actually almost like really made it, made it. Uh, he's still in a, still rocking out today. He's in a band called world wars or not world wars. He, uh, full metal zombie. Sorry. It's a metal zombie band. Um, But he's actually a teacher at the School of Rock in Kansas City, Missouri. So uh, David's a talented individual. So, Javon, thanks for shouting out. uh, One, thanks for giving that five stars. And and also, thanks for giving me an excuse to shout out my boy David Rice for creating and writing that awesome music that we have for our intro. Um, So here we are. Lots been going on with the Browns. we got draft season upon us. Uh, Jadavion Clowney is now a Brown. And as I am every week, uh, I am joined by a guest because I couldn't do this show alone. I need the guest to make the show work. And today we have a pretty special guest today. He is, I like to call him the Browns, (laughs) the Browns man of mystery. Um, Really, really good dude. 
I've been following him for years on Twitter now and following his work over at the OBR. I have today for you Lane Atkins, Browns insider for the OBR. Lane, my man, welcome in and thanks for coming on with us. Andy, what's the good word on the West Coast? Oh, the weather, the weather's nice. I'll tell you that. But uh, it's like I was just telling you before we started the, the best part. It will be 19 years since I moved out west. Uh, this May. And my favorite perk of living out West are the football time starts, the 10, <laughs> 10 a.m., 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. You can't beat it, man. Kegs and eggs, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Those those 830 games can get a little crazy here. Yeah. I I, I don't miss staying up till 1230, one o'clock to watch Monday Night Football. That's for sure. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to worry about three to five inches of snow out there on the West Coast either that's, tonight. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah, you guys are getting it's 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 the middle of April, end of April. What is happening? I tell you, the snow. You guys got some snow today, right? Or yesterday uh, morning? Supposed, oh, overnight, we're going to get it. Oh my goodness, good lord. Well, I, I I'm I'm glad to have you on the show, man. Um, uh, for for a lot of reasons, I. I feel like um, it's funny, man. Like if I had a dollar and I, and I don't mean any of, I don't mean this in any of offense uh, whatsoever, but if I had a dollar over the years for every time I saw a tweet from someone on my Twitter timeline and said, who is Lane Atkins? <laughs> <laughs> I would be fucking rich. Um, so it's even funny when I go to the OBR website and I, mm-hmm. and I, and I, we're, we're meeting all the uh, contributors, the writers, everyone, everyone's got a nice picture and a nice little bio. It comes to you and it just says Lane Atkins, deep undercover, all information on a need to know basis. <laughs> that's just, just about the way it is too. I mean, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's just like this, this guy, it's like your figment of your imagination when it comes to football. That's, that's about what I do. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I've probably been following you on Twitter now at least four years, probably more like five, probably more. Yeah. Five. Sorry. Sorry to to hear that. (laughs) No, no, it's been a ball because, because I, it's funny because, you know, like we all, I think all Browns fans, we always want to be in the know, you know, like we got to know what's going on just for our mental psyche. And you've been able to provide us with juicy nuggets over the years, whether that's even on Twitter or in Rumor Central for OBR subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- I want to go back to kind of the beginning a little bit here because right. I, I, I kind of want to pull back this curtain because, like I said, people go, "Who who is Lane Atkins?" And then they're just like, "Oh my God, how's he? How does he know this? How does he have these scoops?" So. How long have you been covering the Browns per se? I would say we, I would say about 88. I started dabbling around in a little bit. Yeah, I was a young guy, married, had kids. So I couldn't really invest myself into it fully. I really didn't get really rolling into it until in the, in the nineties, I had a very good friend, uh, the late great Nev Chandler that helped sure. me, helped me actually get into this and he used to have a a monday show at a sports bar in fairview park and i used to do some stuff there with it and it it just you know it developed from there and you just make you you meet people and you create relationships and yeah over time 
when you do people right, they tend to do you right. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of people that helped get me through all this and to where it is today. Sure. That, that, okay. So it goes all the way back to Nev. I, I miss Nev and I love Nev. He was, uh, he was yeah. really, he was really great at what he did. Um, yep. so, <laughs> so those relationships started to build over the years. Mm-hmm. So when you say relationships, is that, I mean, and obviously I'm not going to, I, I, I want to keep getting scoops. So I, I'm not asking like, who's your source, man. That's not what, <laughs> that's not what I'm asking. I, I, I want you to keep giving me these scoops. I don't want to know. I don't want you to say, I don't want you to know. And you're not going to tell me anyway, but like, w- when did it, like, <laughs> did it kind of start with, with officials within the NFL uh, or within the Browns agents, maybe where, where did it kind of start? where the ball started to roll and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm actually picking up these scoops. Well, when you get into this thing, you, you really work agents and you just talk to them, talk to them, talk to them, you know, one hand washes the other and you, you develop things there and that evolves into the player aspect. Fortunately for me, I met a lot of players through a, a few really good guys Sure, that, you know, just helped this all evolved, which ended up getting to the, the front office of the Browns. I'm, I mean, there was a, there was a period when Butch Davis was the head coach and Pete Garcia was the general manager that um, mm-hmm. we, there was a really good relationship there. And oh, I wow. could, you could, you could really learn a lot about what's going on with things. Um, But over the years, it's, uh, you, you, you just meet people. And, you know, if I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of really good people, a lot of good players, um, the Reggie Langhorns and the, the Eddie Johnsons, oh, yeah. Herm, Herman, you know, um, you know, one of my real life friends is Bernie. So, you know, you meet these people and things happen. Um, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting ride. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, because here's the thing. It's like I said, who is Lane Atkins? And that's the thing. Like, I, I think that you kind of you like the way it is. You like kind of just being out of the limelight a little bit and and not, you know, obviously when you have a scoop, you know, I'm sure there's part of you that wants the credit, but it's not the most it doesn't seem over the years that it's the most important thing to you. You just want to get the information out there, uh, whatever, whether that's through rumor central or even little tidbits on Twitter. Um, so you, you've, you've, you've built a relationship with Bernie over the years, huh? Ah, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've known each other for quite a long time. Bernie's a good guy. Um, actually back in the early 90 part where I did a little bit, where I first got involved with him, but not, not to the point that I did later, sure. Later in time um, here, because with, with the OBR, we went through a lot of transition and, you know, changes over the years. And, you know, one of our first things, first big moves was when we were, we went with the, this inside the insiders, which mm-hmm. was a college scouting NFL. It was a, a big network. And that's where, the evolution of what was Brown's TNG turned into Bernie's insiders. Right. Okay. That's, that's who we were and that. Well, obviously we know who the name is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it just picked up from there and then, you know, over time, you know, <clears throat> the OBR was 
Bernie's Insiders. Then we were the OBR on at Fox. Mm-hmm. We were the OBR at CBS twenty four seven, which is where we we still are today. Sure, but you know, but you know, it all started with just a handful of guys, a few of us, myself, Barry McBride, and Fred Greetham, and Greg, and a guy named Q, and you know that that's where this whole thing really, really started <laughs> to get where we get where we are today, where. You know, we're talking Browns football 24-7. And we try to, keep it inter- try to keep it interesting and, you know, try to get information out to people. And it's it hasn't been a thing where you want somebody patting you on your back or you want recognition or you want sure. all that. I, I mean, I don't need that. I'm I'm old. I'm done. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't need to be sitting there doing that. It, it's just about, you know, it, it's a community. It's it's. Yeah. It's getting getting stuff out there and letting people know that hey, you know, there's something shaking over here. We can't tell you exactly what it is, but <laughs> we can tell you something shaking. So just pay attention. Yes, you know, and that's you know, that's the thing we do. And I just I think it's the the best thing you can do to keep everybody involved in it. People who want to know the opportunities there. People who don't give a crap. It doesn't matter anyways. But you know, that's just what we do. Yeah, it's great and. Yeah, Bernie was uh, back to Bernie a little bit. Yeah, Bernie was definitely my first favorite Browns player for sure <laughs> as a child. I think like most, I was born in '81, so most like most '80s kids, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Bernie was their favorite too. Oh, sure, um, he's a local guy who yeah helped manipulate the system to get get to Cleveland. And uh, you're coming off some, you know, down Brown years again, like usual. Yeah. Um, you know, so he was he was that ray of light, and you know things came together there in '85, and it just took off from there. And there was some really, you know, just some crazy, exciting football oh, in Cleveland for a long time. Sure was, and I was actually I'll I'll never forget it. Um, like this image is just imprinted in my brain. I will never forget it. It was Bernie's last game as a Brown. <laughs> uh, the the infamously where he drew up a play to the dirt and hit Michael Jackson on, on like a post pattern or something. Uh, shout out Michael Jackson, wherever you're at friend, you were <laughs> Michael Jackson, Michael Dyson. Eh? Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Right. Yeah. Cause he switched it up. Yeah. Uh, and he, he switched his number too. He went from like 81, was it 81 to one? If I remember it right. Or something like that. But, yeah, uh, something. but I, I, this image I have imprinted in my brain, I'll never forget it uh it was it was at old obviously at old municipal stadium mm-hmm. and i was right at the railing that was overlooking which were at the time the 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 dugouts i guess for what the indians would use but the, the players would go down through those to go into the tunnel and i'll never forget it bernie was coming up and everybody was just yelling bernie bernie and he just looked up waved and and went down in and then right behind him was Bill Belichick. <laughs> and it went from Bernie, we, we love you to Bill, you suck, Bill. Bill must go. <laughs> yeah, I, I will admit I was one of thousands of fans at Browns games at this time that, that were chanting Bill must go and how silly we feel right now. But I, I, you're just talking about a guy who his, his personality and just how he came off to people just really turned the city off so quickly. Yeah, it did. Yeah, he, he 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 was he was as dry as wallpaper, man. And 
it was fun. There is actually, I've always heard rumor. It's funny because I remember that moment vividly. And then I always heard rumor. There was always this legend that when Bill and Bernie went into the tunnel that day, that like that they, that fist went a fly. And do you know anything <laughs> about that? It's, well, can, well can, if can, I did, can, I'm certainly not talking about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That's been a legend going. I heard that a long time ago too, but uh, I would, I would love if I wish there was footage of that. I would, if, if it did happen, I would love to see footage. Of yeah. That. There was, there was no love lost there. No, got, de- definitely as not. They got, as they got towards the end. Yeah. Cause the next morning, I believe it was even the very next morning on Monday. It was either that following the next day on a Monday or the Tuesday where they released him. Yeah. Not, it was, it, it was quick. Yeah. You know, was, you know it, it's quick. quick that everybody, you know, came to their senses later in life here and, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they actually get along. So that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That is good. That is good. That is good. Yeah. You, who, who would have thought though, man, would, would you have thought like t- t- that moment we're talking about, Go back to that time of the Browns. Did, did it ever creep in your head that, that Bill Belichick could be one of the best coaches to ever live? <laughs> See, I, I did some work in the facility when they were building their Berea facility. So sure. I, I was around there a little bit and it was exposed to some things. And, you know, it, as dry as that guy was, yeah, I it was really nobody that was on his level on how he just saw the game at that time. Sure. You know, he, he, he had surpassed his guy Parcells on that aspect of it. He just didn't have the opportunity yet to know how to shop for those groceries. <laughs> and, but yeah, he, he's just, just an intelligent guy. I mean, he, he really is. If you could just, Oh, if, gosh. You, want, if you can deal with the personality and yeah. learn to understand him, shit, man, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty wild that I was like a 13-year-old kid chanting Bill must go and he ends up being probably the greatest coach to ever yeah, sit look on the at, sidelines. Look at the, look at the staff he had in Cleveland. Oh I mean, he, my I, god, Blaine. I mean that that's that tells you as much as you need to know about the guy. Yeah. As there is. Absolutely. I mean, you got the guy who's sitting down there in Alabama now, who is arguably the <laughs> greatest the, the coach. Greatest college coach Nick, you know, Saban. It, it, yep. Nick, it was just a staff full of guys who I just know. went on and just did things and it's just amazing at it, it was just a cleveland thing i mean he, yeah right and, and it comes and it comes back and it comes back to the same guy when it comes to cleveland it comes back to the same guy we just go back and we're looking it's like here we are art model <laughs> yep yep it bothers me whenever I see national uh, publications make a tweet that the Browns uh, fired Bill Belichick. That always bothers yeah. me because it's technically that is not true. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens fired or the Baltimore football team fired Bill Belichick. I don't even sure if they were the Ravens yet, but they were the Baltimore football team. Um, yeah, his contract had expired and they didn't do anything with him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Then he brought in Ted Marchabroda, I believe, if I'm remembering right. Uh, uh, I, I, that, that was a, one of those face things. To, yeah, uh, exactly. To, to try to put all the pieces back together and, yeah. you know, that's done. <laughs> 
There, yeah. There's not much left to say about that whole episode. We've we've lived through the Baltimore Ravens now. That, that's one topic oh, we gosh. don't need to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That was a sad, sad time. I remember that all that vividly. Yeah, the '90s. The '90s were an interesting decade to be a Browns fan, to say the least. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> My goodness, it was some trying times. Um, so let's move on from the past. Let's get into the future, <clears throat> or into the present, I should say, or sl- or slight past here. So the I've talked to the about this with other guests um, about the about this Browns turnaround, and it's so interesting to me how it all played <laughs> how it all played out because if you go back to 2016 you know they go oh and 16 and you fast forward five years later to where they're at it's it's pretty remarkable to me because i i gotta believe this is not how jimmy and d haslam drew it up they have gone through three regimes to get here in the last five years, starting with obviously Sashi and then onto the Dorsey and then now Andrew Barry and Stefanski. Uh-huh. What? Let's go back to that Sashi era a little bit. What, in your opinion or things that you've heard, what was the main reason that Sashi did not work out fully in Cleveland? Well, do you want the politically correct version or just... Uh, oh, this is not the, the same old Browns podcast. Just put it out there. <laughs> just put well, it out there, baby. Well, the thing the thing, the thing, thing with the Sashi Brown era was is that, you know, there was a plan. And they were they were going to strip this thing down to the studs, and they stripped it to the studs. They tore the studs out of the wall. Mm-hmm. They they threw the shit in the garbage, and they, and they tried to put it back together. The worst thing that they did, one, he wasn't an experienced GM. He was thrown into a position that... While he could handle business, he wasn't a personnel type guy. Yeah, he wasn't an Italian evaluator. Yeah, there there was issues from the get go in dealing with agents, dealing with players. Oh lord! It, you know, it it didn't help that you know the next revelation of the Haslam ownership was Hugh Jackson was going to be their savior. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're 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 talking about two individuals is. F- far from each other as you could possibly imagine <laughs> on personality, football, business, you know, you, you had to wear a shield because Hugh was going to stab you if we could. It, 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 I mean, it was a disaster. Yeah. You're talking about a head coach who, who's going to the owner. You got a GM who's going to the owner. You got a GM and a head coach who just don't like each other because Hugh, Hugh talked all kind of garbage behind the scenes. Yep. Sashi got to the point. He just didn't give a damn no more about <laughs> that whole thing. So much so that he allegedly didn't turn in paperwork for a trade. <laughs> I don't know if that happened with Sashi. Sashi, if that, if that happened with somebody who's dealing with the contracts, but there wasn't a better time for a fax machine not to be working <laughs> than that you, day. You ain't lying, friend. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. I always hear the words... Uh, like the the terms alignment and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that Sashi and Hugh was definitely not your ideal alignment for for a organization. That's... No, I just it just wasn't going to work. You had a guy who wasn't experienced, and you had a guy who wanted the power, yep. and it 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 just didn't happen. I mean, nope. they tried to say all the things, the right things publicly for a while, but the dysfunction was there, just like it always has been. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't mention the Cleveland Browns without saying 
pointing to the dysfunction that's been just encompassing this thing forever. Yep, sadly, um, you're right. You know, and and they, they go from one thing to another. They end up they end up with John Dorsey a little bit down the road, which oh, is right. the, the polar opposite of <laughs> of what you had in the front office and in, in the GM spot. And which you know, Dorsey did a lot of good things. He did. He did a lot of really questionable things. But he did a lot of good things in at least securing some talent and helping this team get down that path. Yes. Um, I don't believe that they would be where they are today if he would have stayed in that spot because it took it took another set of eyes to get past that point. Plus, there was so much dysfunction in his reign, too, with him and, you know, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Where, where you, you're talking about a team that really – it didn't, it did it, they had leadership. They had leaders within the group, sure. but they did, they didn't have a vision. You know, they didn't have, it was just like an out of control thing. It was <laughs> the plan. Just, it, it just changed. Yeah. You, you got to do more, it, but bring it, but just bring in real football players. You got to yeah. do more than that. Yeah. And it wasn't a week to week thing. This was like hours <laughs> to hours. This shit would change. And you know, that's just, that's just direction. And that's why you, you had a six and 10 team that should have been a 10 and six team. Absolutely. There was just no direction. And that was the shit show that you got. Yeah. So would you say the, the hiring of Freddie kitchens, is that the main, ultimately the main thing that did John Dorsey in here in Cleveland? Oh, it didn't, it didn't help the situation. Yeah. But there was, there was a lot of things going on and, you know, behind the scenes where, sure, you know, Dorsey's the GM and, he had a very significant voice on what was happening with players who's playing and just the evaluation process that, yeah, that was a thing that that it was time. Yeah. They, they realized it was time. See, you know, you tell these two stories about, about Sashi Brown, the Sashi Brown regime, and then the John Dorsey regime, you would think you would think <laughs> you would think it'd be a years more of disaster. Well, uh, in, in, in the middle of all this was the John Dorsey Hugh Jackson show. Oh my goodness! Okay, which which was another coupling of two guys that just <laughs> never should have happened. I mean, if they're going to hire John Dorsey, he's going to be the GM. He didn't want the guys, the head coach, just get his ass out of here because yeah. it wasn't going to work anyways. Yep. And you know, that just turned into another circus show because there was a quarterback coach or offensive coordinator, whatever you want to call him at that time on staff, Todd Haley, Todd Haley was an all right guy, Sure, but that wasn't going to work because he was basically saying here, this is, this is the guy, Hugh. And he was going to stand here and beat us just and say, yeah, I hired him and I never should have done that. But you know something? You did it and you failed. You failed for a couple of years. You failed with the offensive coordinator. You didn't take the leadership. Your GM your GM, allegedly wanted Todd Haley to take over the, the reins and, and get him out of the picture during the season, yep. which ultimately led to so much sword fighting that they fired them all. Fired just get them all out. I know. You know? You know, it was another another classic Jimmy Haslam. You know, just <laughs> just just losing it and just like I had enough of this. It, you're you're done. You know, th- this is like him pulling the rug under Chud 
with five minutes left in the fourth oh. quarter of the Steeler game. It's like, oh, this guy's fired. My goodness. Yeah, that was another just high, uh, fire move. You know, so we sit here and talk, and you just laugh, and you're going, just the, the dumb shit that this organization <laughs> has done. It's like, how did they how did they fall into the good fortune that they are right now? That's see, that's why, Lane. I, I've brought in, I've brought this up with with a few guests now. That's why I'm so fascinated by this turnaround because this this is not your typical blueprint, and it it's not like it was like ten years. It was only half that five. <laughs> Four, four, shit, four, you know, four years, four and a half years. This, this it, is what happens when you tear the whole damn thing down <laughs> and you just have so much capital that you just select players, even though you did a shit job in selecting 50% of what you did, you actually hit on some guys that worked. Yes. And that's where, that's where jumping from Sashi to Dorsey, you know, going from one end of the spectrum to the other to get players in place. And then it got to the point where, okay, we're, you know, we got this thing going on now. Now it's time to let the smart guys who are sitting in the front office <laughs> take this from here. And this is where D Podesta yep. and, you know, Andrew Barry, smart guys with a lot of smart people surrounding them. Absolutely. That it's everybody wants to scream. It's all analytics. Analytics. Yeah. There's analytics. There's analytics in any sport you play. Definitely. Any sport you evaluate. But what they've done here is they've been very smart that they still do that football work that is necessary. We're not talking about guys who've who've never walked between the white lines. I mean, mm-hmm. Andrew Barry played this game. Yes. D Podesta is just like a walking genius. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, the best thing that happened was is that D Haslam got more involved with the Browns. <laughs> The Haslam's took a step back a little bit and let the guys that they hired do finally it. do the job. Right. Right. And you said here today and you got Stefanski a year later than what you could have had him, but he's, he's a better coach today because of it. And you're just letting people who know the game, know how to evaluate talent, know how to coach, letting them do their job. And you just keep adding talent, adding talent. And suddenly, you're beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. How does that happen? Oh man, I, I, it was that first quarter lane of that playoff game against the Steelers last year was like an out of body experience. <laughs> I bl- blew my mind. I was, I was shocked. I mean, I just, I was but, speechless, man. I just sat there. Me like, too. Holy shit! Could couldn't <laughs> could not believe what I was watching. Could not you know believe I, it. I watched that snap go over Roethlisberger's head, and I'm thinking, oh, shit, Miles Gary is going to decapitate this dude. (laughs) (laughs) That is the opening of the intro of this show, too, that Jim Donovan call of that snap over the head of Big Ben. I mean, Uh, just the the craziness. It's just amazing. Yeah, and it's funny uh, that, you know, you go through three regimes in five years, essentially, Mm -hmm. to get to this turnaround. And you know what? At the end of the day, some I'm sure were more influential than maybe the next, but at the end of the day, what also I find hilarious about this whole thing is while even though the Sashi regime, there was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of dysfunction in the Dorsey regime. Each one, so if you take Sashi, Dorsey, and Andrew Barry and company, they all played an integral part in this turnaround. 
they absolutely. Really, they really did. Sashi got you the assets. Sashi got you the draft picks. Sashi made all the cap moves, stripped the cap. I mean, I, I bring this up all the time. That trade for Osweiler is the thing of geniuses, man. It's just something that you just don't see. No, that's like something you'd see in like bat in the NBA, man. Like right. that is- <laughs> And they didn't give a damn about the money. I mean, they didn't care. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Wasn't it like 16, 17? 16 million. Yeah, bless it. So it's like you, you take that and then Dorsey, like you said, he hit, he didn't hit on everyone, but I tell you, he pretty much built this entire offense that you have today. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I mean, you got obviously Baker, OBJ, Jarvis. You got uh, Wyatt Teller. He acquired uh, right. what, what, what a great trade that was. So, you know, it's, it's, and then you go to, Andrew Barry and company. And it's like, now you're starting to really see, like you said, when you have intelligent people who are running the show, who seem to be aligned, which is again, something as a Browns fan and as someone who's covered the Browns for years now, we're not used to. (laughs) No, I mean, and there was no choice. I mean, that was that the bat signal was out. If (laughs) you, you know, if you're not in this, if you're not aligned, if you're not right in this vision, you know, don't even don't talk to us. We have nothing to say to you. Absolutely. You know, it, th- that was the plan. I mean, you look at John Dorsey. He, he's a good talent evaluator. He's Absolutely. Not a G, he's just not a GM. Right. You know, and that, that's what you get in Cleveland. It's just we got to the point now that we got, you know, we got a guy who has people who understands talent. Yep. He's very fiscally just solid understands the cat they got a great cat guy chris oh um you know you, you just <laughs> their cap just, work this offseason has been incredible you, you signed a boatload of guys for 16 and a half million dollars and, and you're scratching your head you got you got everybody in the world everybody on social media screaming oh the cap oh my god they're gonna what? guess what you know, before they released Sheldon Richardson, they had over $10 million still in cap space. Yes. So now, now, you know, they just loaded the food card with another 12. So they got $22 million and you're going, okay, what's next? <laughs> the game lane, the game's chess. It ain't checkers, man. That's right. That's what I mean. It's just, it is what it is. And <laughs> it's incredible. You know, pe- people enjoy this and appreciate it because you're seeing something in Cleveland that is really an abnormal thing. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's uh, this this turnaround, especially this this last 2020 season. I mean, this was uh, a long time coming for us, because I'm going to assume, even though I know you cover, I mean, obviously you you grew up a Browns fan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I have to think, even though, you know, you, you got there's a little there, there's some professionalism that comes along with what you do, obviously, but. I have to believe this last, especially with COVID and just what a trying year it has been for a lot of people. I got to believe that this 2020 season did uh, did a good amount to you. I'm I'm assuming. Oh, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I see, I got to the point. I don't, I don't do that Berea thing anymore. Sure. I don't do, I don't do that press box thing anymore. I I have no desire to do that. Yeah. You know, I I like doing my little thing. (laughs) I can sit at home. Or sit with my kids and watch the Browns, have a drink, scream at my TV, <laughs> you know, and then about 3.57 in the afternoon when I see Baker throwing some crazy touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones, oh. you know, I can just sit there and say, 
you know, this is something that most of you people who have been Browns fans have not seen. You haven't seen this team being a winner, sure. a playoff team, a competitor. It's, it's just a strange, strange thing that it is, is so, soak it in, man, because, oh. this, you know, you don't you don't know if, if this is going to be tomorrow. You're right. You know, and, you know, they're doing a hell of a job. And I mean, I'm the first one to say that I'm the first one to say, you know, that was really a stupid ass move. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is that you're getting a lot more of those pros than we are the, those cons these days. Yes. It's, it's a time for excitement because, you know, this is one of the, the very best teams in the AFC. Say that Some, again, Lane. Yeah, I was loud and clear. <laughs> this is one of the best teams in the AFC. <laughs> You know, oh, now, just, oh, now, now to make sure that you keep the wheels on the wagon. Right. Yeah. And, and speaking of let's, let's touch about them doing good work. And this off season, I, I mean, it truly seems that Andrew Barry and company are killing it. So, 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 so far in free agency, mm-hmm. And what they've done, uh, the way they've structured these contracts too, is just the thing of brilliance. I'm not even, I, I'm done trying to figure it out. It's go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. so I mean, so g- give me your impression so far, obviously, I, obviously you love what they're doing, but maybe hit some key points of this off season so far, what they've done in free agency. Well, where do you want to start? I mean, you arguably got the best safety that was available. Yes. You got arguably one of the top couple slot corners who can play outside in, in Troy Hill. Yep. Uh, you know, Andrew Barry, you know, finally got his marriage with Jadavian Clowney, <laughs> which, which is really, it's an interesting signing. Um, you know, the dollars are okay. But the thing is, is that th- this is a guy who, they had a plan for, you know, they, they wanted him to be more of that edge, not being more of that linebacker. Look, they have this idea of getting him inside a little bit. It's going to be interesting because if, if he can stay healthy, which is always the biggest question with him is health. Sure. If, if this guy can stay healthy, there's an opportunity to really put up some solid numbers in this defense as long Mm -hmm. as well is just coupling with the other talent that they've added here. You got Andrew Billings coming back from the, from COVID. Yes. Got Malik Jackson out here. You know, to me, one of the most underrated signings of this offseason is going to be Tarek McKinley. Yes. This, this guy just, he, he's fierce, man. Yeah. The, and- the first four games last year before he got hurt, hurt, you know, he was putting up some, some very good numbers. Mm-hmm. And don't expect that to change. Expect that to get better because this guy's hungry. Yeah, absolutely. He was one of the most memorable draft selections that I can remember from watching the draft. Uh, He had that picture of his grandmother and everything. It was was wild. Um, I mean, in his rookie year, uh, sacks aren't the all end all be all. Obviously, I, I, I say it's maybe a bit of an overrated stat a little bit, but he did have 13 sacks in his first two seasons in the league. So he's, he gets to the quarterback. He's proven he can. He is quick. He's powerful. He's got some bend to him and he's motivated now. Yes. And I like, I like hungry. Give me hungry. 
it was, you know, it was a thing last year in Atlanta with being injured and, you know, wanting out of there. That wasn't the opportune situation for him. I mean, you know, the Browns, the Browns tried to nab him three different times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, they, and, they were on this guy. And tr- it didn't, they tried the, I want to say I read that they tried to trade for him as well. Yeah. They, they tried to trade for him as well. Wow. You know, this is an organization in the front office that, you know, they have a thing with high draft choices. There, but there's a reason why these yeah. guys are were are projected as high draft choices. It's finding out why they haven't panned out. This right. is an organization organization that's interested in that. Let's see what you know what's behind the shield, because maybe there's something there that we can change. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, this this, this guy's got a motor. I mean, he could yeah. be he could be the guy. We can be talking about Jadavian Clowney and Malik Jackson and everything all we want, and this could be the guy. Right. That sets the tone when it's all said and done opposite of Miles Garrett sometime during that 21 season. Well, because even uh, like you were saying that, uh, and I've seen Jake Burns talk about this on Twitter as well. Um, yeah, I heard of uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, like <laughs> um, yeah he is. He is. Great guy. Love you, Jake. Um, about on, on, some, on some snaps, moving Clowney inside. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm guessing... Like let's just say on third downs, for example, where Clowney's inside and 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 McKinley's on the other side of Garrett on the edge. I mean, is that is that kind of what we're looking at here? Well, as it was as the little birdies dropped on us, that was a lot of the discussion when you know they sold him when he came in here and talked to them initially about how they saw him as a player, how they saw what he can do in this defense, and the different roles and looks that he could give them and Mm -hmm. him sliding inside is something you are going to see. I'm excited to see that because I, I'm, I am sick of seeing stuff on Twitter about he's not, he doesn't get sacks. He doesn't get sacks. That being Jadavion Clowney. And it's to me, it's just like, he does so much more than that. Like if, if you're pessimistic about Jadavion Clowney because of the health concerns and, 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 and his injury past. Okay. I'll listen to that, but don't tell me he's not a good player. Cause he is, <laughs> don't, he's a disruptor. He's, he's, he's very good against the run. Yep. Uh, he, 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 when I say disruptor is he, he, he may not get all the way home for the sack, but he gets a lot of pressures. He he gets he pushes back the line, yeah. his man a lot. You know, he pushes him back into the pocket. So, you know, I, I I've been a proponent of getting Clowney in here for, for weeks now, months, it seems. Uh, and I just can't wait to see what Joe Woods does with him. And this idea of moving him inside on a good amount of snaps has me excited. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's just so many opportunities with that front that they have there. Um, you know, it's disappointing that, you know, they release Sheldon Richardson and it's been yes. interesting to see what they do, what they do there. You know, I'm, I, I just, I don't anticipate a big market for him. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out if he goes somewhere else or if he, or if he does come back here, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. You just don't like to see talent taken away from the mold no. when you've gotten yourself to X point. And, you know, this is an era where, you know, money means, means everything. So, I mean, I, I get releasing him, but 
get another defensive tackle in here. That's what. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, you're they're not better without him as it stands right now. They're no. not. No, they're, they're not. They're not. Um, I I saw you kind of hinting a little bit on Twitter um, at a possibility of after he sees what his market is, what's out there, that there's a mm-hmm. possibility the Browns could bring him back. Um, yeah. What can you elaborate on on what you're hearing on that front? Uh, well, pretty much to the point, I just, I'm not hearing that there's a uh, big dollars out there right now for him. So it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what he wants to do. Cause he, he enjoyed it here. He liked it here. Yeah. And his teammates liked it here. And, you know, they, they, they love him. Everything you know, I've, they, yeah. there was little displeasure about the news when he was released. Sure. Um, is that kind of what, is that kind of what you heard players were there? Yeah. I think I remember. Yeah. I think I remember you seeing you tweet something about it. So players yeah. were not a big fan of that release. Well, they, I mean, and they understand, they understand this is a business, business and, sure. you know, things happen and, you know, you have to do what you have to do. Uh, on the other hand, they would really welcome him back with open arms too. And I, I think if everything, he gets to the point where everything's equal, you know, the opportunity just may be there to, to see him come back. I mean, they're just at a point where they are right now. This just, if you just could add talent, you, you just let it play out and see, See who who starts. Who's who's your depth guy? Just let it play out. Just accumulate talent, coach that team up, and get at it. So, if you had to pinpoint who is your favorite signing this offseason so far, that's a tough one. I, I it I is because there's a lot of candidates. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the Johnson signing is. I agree. Be, I think that's going to be the the most impactful signing that they've made to date just because of just what he provides he's 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 a do everything safety this guy's he is just really a really good football player and he he's gonna be a leader back there which which is needed yeah because you're gonna you're gonna you got delpit that's you know as long as he doesn't have any issue he's gonna be back there and which is you know his first time on the field in his second year and you got ronnie harrison who's still a younger guy who who flashed some last year yep uh, and you don't know what you're going to have it at cornerback. You don't know what's going to go on with Greedy Williams. I, I suspect that we're going to see a couple corners added here before everything is said and done. Yeah. You know, so you need a guy like that who can do everything. And, you know, that's the, they just really did a hell of a job on purging the West coast and bringing them to Cleveland. <laughs> sure. No. And by all accounts, one, one thing, great, really, really good, good football player, that being John Johnson III. But everything that I've read and heard, uh, also an intelligent football player, which right. uh, which uh, I love to see. And uh, yeah, I believe he was even the signal caller for, for the Rams, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It's safety, safeties, and more safeties is what you need in this, this Joe Woods defense and secondary in general. Um, but... Uh, as far as outside corner goes, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, obviously, they're going to be targeting. They're going to draft one, maybe even two in the draft. Do you do you expect, or do you do you think there's still a chance? I should say that they sign one as well. That being an outside corner. Well, there's been there's been talk and discussion and <clears throat> touching base. Um, it's just it's a situation now where players still are holding out for x dollars and sure. teams teams just aren't paying them nelson being one of them right oh yeah nelson being one of them yeah uh, you just you look at it and it's it's a point it's going to come to a head and it, you know i would think 
that we we would start to see a little bit of activity as we get towards the draft because there's there's some teams with you know a spot here and there open who have contemplated you know signing a free agent yeah and you you just may draft a guy and it just takes x player off the, out of the way it's just right. gone and you can only hold out so long waiting on dollars that just aren't there <laughs> and and that market's just it's not there it's not going to be there they these teams these guys they blew their wad right in the get go when free agency started and went just ape shit with the tight ends and <laughs> and and edges yeah and you know a couple some wide receivers and it's just it's not there anymore so you take your one year deal you get the money yes do your thing on the field. Then you're going to start seeing more dollars available next year, even more the following year, you know, get your money, do your job and get paid. Yeah, I am. Uh, uh, Steven, Steven Nelson is the one that I've been kind of keeping my eyes on. Um, he actually tweeted something recently. I don't know if you saw it uh, yesterday, I, I believe where he pretty much said he's waiting for the right deal. Like he, right. he wants to get paid and it, I, I don't blame the guy. Like I think the guy's a really good football player. However, this, and I think you can back this up. This off season is been out of the norm in a sense uh, for organizations because of the cap reduction and, you know, coming off COVID it, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's a strange off season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 2020 was just it was just a train wreck on so many different levels and the impact it had on teams fans players it's just i mean it was just it was like the worst case scenario of a storm that you can imagine you know and you got guys out there like like steven nelson you know the yeah. guy deserves to be paid he's Absolutely. he's not he's not going to be paid he's not going to see that money this year and you know as and that's just the way it is and you can't change it and there's nothing's going to change it. And you just get to the point where you're used to making eight and $10 million. And you know, you got these guys offering you a three and a half. It's like, it's hard to swallow your pride and do it. Yeah. But you know, the NFL is, you know, it's not for long. No, if, if you don't, somebody <laughs> else will. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> no. So going into, so now, you know, the draft is upon us. We're, 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 we're and it's going to be in Cleveland, which is awesome. Um, and I'm glad they're, they were able to open it up to a certain capacity. Um, since we're, you know, a lot of, a lot, a lot of folks are getting vaccinated and, and, Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I wish I was hoping that they would maybe push it back one year, but I'm, I'm glad at least they're going to be able to, um, get some folks in there. Cause it's, you, you know, as well as I do Cleveland, knows how to throw a party so yeah. it, it, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so i am looking forward to the draft as i am every year but this year it's a little bit more special because it takes place it's it's you know it's going to be in cleveland um draft as far as the draft goes we're sitting to 26 which is just fucking weird lane it's weird <laughs> i don't know I, I have to double check it when i'm doing these mock drafts every day and i'm just messing around on the uh draft network website and i'm just 26 it just feels so bizarre uh, I feel it's, like it's the ahead, wildest thing. It's the wildest thing. I mean, how do you, it is. I mean, how do you envision the Browns picking at 26 <laughs> and then, and then have the field 7 million questions about who they're going to draft. Yeah. 
They're at 26. How the hell do I know who they're going to draft? How the hell does anyone know? (laughs) Yeah. And I try, and thanks to Stephen Thomas uh, of Brown's Daily Mock Draft and the OBR, you know, I've I've known Stephen for, God, I first met Stephen on Twitter in probably 2014, 2013. It's been a long time. Yeah, he's a good dude. He is. I love the dude. And, uh, you know, a few years, handful years back, he got me that's that sick bastard. He got me so addicted to these mock drafts, these NFL mock <laughs> drafts, man, these NFL draft simulators online. They're so much fun. This and- dude is a machine every day. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fucking sicko. There. <laughs> you want it. a mock draft? All you do is pay attention to him. Every day, you're going to get something else. <laughs> and you know, and a lot of them are really damn good, too. <laughs> they are. He knows his shit. He really does. And I, that's why I love him, because I, I could just tell, and I've noticed this for years. I mean, he really puts in the work. He really, truly yeah. does. And it, 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 it's awesome to see. And I, I just love the dude. But I, as I'm doing these, you know, I, I try to do like one a day. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, obviously these these mock draft simulators aren't 100% foolproof accurate, obviously. Um, but it seems to me what I what a pattern that I've seen that I'm seeing each day is they're going to have options. Um, right. What what those options are. I don't you know, corner, maybe edge defense, defensive tackle wide receiver. It's kind of wide the fuck open. Yeah, and I'm just glad I'm not making these decisions because I, I you know, I, I I obviously I feel the Browns' biggest need is is an outside corner. I, I love Greedy Williams, but you know, mm-hmm. even even if Greedy is good to go, we still need another person or two behind him, you yeah. know, and or at least to compete with him, you know. So, you know, I I, I don't know how this draft's gonna play out, but I, I hate asking you how you think it's going to play out, but how do you think it's going to play out? <laughs> no, I just, you know, I, I take it, I make it real simple. I'm yeah. like, I'm at 26. If there's a guy that I have targeted, <laughs> I'm taking him. You know, if simple. I, I look at it and if I say, okay, there's a corner and there's an edge. Yep. Which one fills my need now and later to the highest capacity? Sure. That's the guy I'm taking. Yeah, I'm not just banking saying, oh, 2020, uh, 2021, you know, this guy has to be world beater. No, it doesn't work that way. You're making this pick at 26 and you're going, shit, I got five years sure. with this guy, which helps me with the cap, which helps me with my talent procurement. It gets you in line for this guy to take over for player X, Y, and Z when it's time that they move on. Right. For the best guy for my team for now and later and you know that's what it comes down to and if it's a cornerback i'm happy as hell i mean i'd, I'd sure. love to see i'd love to see greg newsom sitting there at 26 i would, <laughs> I, I, I moved up to get him in my mock draft the other day <laughs> i would chuck that card so fast and and wouldn't think twice yeah you and actually speaking of which i uh trading up trade back i've I'm, seen a lot of uh, people who follow the Browns closely kind of allude to the fact that they just don't see a trade up scenario because it's just not in this front office's DNA or the, or, you know, it's just not in their DNA to do so. And while, while I tend to agree, my argument to that is 
but wait a second. This isn't 2018. This isn't 2017. This isn't 2016. They're in a different position right now. Precisely. It's a new time. It's a new time. So Just, you're looking, you're in, you're in a situation now that they haven't been in. Correct. They, have, they haven't won. They haven't accumulated the talent that they have. Right. They, they're in a position now that, you know, if, if they want to use some of that draft capital to make a move, they can. Yep. We don't know what they're going to do because we've never experienced this with them. Absolutely. This is new. That's what makes this draft for me, Lane, the most fat. That's the most fascinating aspect of this draft because you take an analytical front office like this. And and yes, they are football guys too, Mm -hmm. but you you just take that model. It's they're usually not teams that will, will trade up or give up assets to move up a lot of the times. But on the other token, you take the St. Louis or the St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams, who have a similar philosophy, has have similar philosophies as this Browns organization. It's mm-hmm. they're the very analytically driven. Um, they've shown in the past they're not afraid to move assets for players, right? Or move up heavily in drafts. So if there was ever going to be a year where the Browns do make a move of a player they they covet and they target, whether that's between picks 15 to 22 range, somewhere in there, and you're sitting there and you have two third-round picks and you have two fourth-round picks, I tell you, I think this might this could be the year where you see this organization kind of go against what they've d- done in the past because again this is a new situation this is new territory and you know a, a player that you you know Newsom, greg Newsom the second from northwestern i believe yep there, there's a prime example I, I did a mock draft the other day now granted guys this is an nfl mock draft simulator i know it ain't real but nevertheless i moved up to 15 right in front of arizona who i read a lot that arizona might be targeting him mm-hmm. um you know i i, I Got up, moved up, got him. Didn't have to really give up a lot. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. If, if, if there's a if there's one of these corners that start to fall into the teens, I I, I really hope that they uh maybe make a move there. Yeah, it just makes it interesting because there's there's so many good corners mm-hmm. that are in this draft. Yes. <clears throat> so you don't, necess- you don't necessarily have to take the leap. Sure. But, you know, what it comes down to is that I'm not going to – I won't name names when it, we talk about the Browns or, you know, how they do things. Right. But but this is a group that likes to accumulate. They're, True. They're, they're like a hoarder. Yes. They want, you know, more and more and more. In every case, there's a time that you do something just completely opposite of what you're known for. Right. And sitting where they are – at 26 it's 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 a weird spot because you could be just outside of some guys that you may really like and you may be sitting above a group that you know like you like but you don't like as much as those other guys sure so you know it's it's a fine line do you use that capital or do you gain a little bit more and get a couple of these guys that are just a hair below where you're where your comfort zone sure i mean it's going to be interesting me I, I mean, if i'm sitting there and i can make the right deal and i can get one of these guys like a newsome you 
you have to entertain it. You, you have, you to. have to, you have, you know, to. you look at it, you look at your other cornerback. You got Denzel Ward, who, you know, is, is a fantastic corner. Yes. You really think you're going to see him play 17 games this year? Probably not. No. Historically, he hasn't shown that you've got greedy Williams. We don't know what's going to happen with. Greedy. Absolutely. You know, you, you sign Troy Hill, you know, and he's, He's an outstanding slot corner yep. who can play outside. Yeah, he's really versatile. To, yep. Right. Do you really want to play him outside? No, I don't. I, I I want him in the slot where he excelled last year. All right. So so what do you got in the bag? That's why I, I've been hammering, hammering, like like a lot of us, uh, hammering corner, corner, corner. Uh not linebacker, <laughs> cornerback. Oh, outside, outside cornerback. <laughs> yeah. The I, bad thing is, is I <laughs> I sat here and I did all these little scenarios and I went, you know, I could see them draft the linebacker too, though. Sure. I, I could, I can see the path to doing it. Yeah. It's not what I do, but I could see it. Sure. It's the same thing with JOK. I could see the path of yes. taking this guy because he's, he's your, he'd be a Rover. This guy can play all over the place and he's yeah. a, just an unbelievable athletic guy. I just, this is where this draft is. <laughs> it's, it's more. It's more intriguing and it fascinating, and more so because of where they're sitting. Right. 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 And, and and again, another point that I'll bring up that why I honestly think there is a chance that they might make a move if the players falling that they extremely covet is they have nine draft picks right now. Right. I don't see them drafting nine players. I don't I, I just, it doesn't make sense. It no, doesn't, I, it, it makes no sense, Lane. And again, historically, they're known for trading picks out for the next year. Right. For, trade, a, trade a fifth for a fourth, trade a fourth for, you know, yeah. so that's their MO. That's what they yeah, do. I know. That's why them moving up wouldn't shock me. Sure. It'll, it'll surprise me a little bit if they did, <laughs> but it won't shock me because right. they're just in a spot that, We've never experienced watching with this team, especially with this group, because Andrew Barry has done exactly what he said he was going to do. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to make moves. And that's what he's done. Yeah. And the biggest stage on the lakefront come Thursday night, (laughs) Andrew Barry can make a lot of damn noise if he wants to. And they, they have the capital to do it. They if do. Their guys, if their guys there for the taking, I wouldn't put it past them. Me neither. And and, and I'm not saying a trade downs out of the question. I think that's no. and, I, and and Browns fans. I know the drafts in Cleveland, but I want to prepare you. <laughs> there is still a chance they would trade down. Now, if they do trade down, let's say like uh, 34 or something or 42, something like that, mm-hmm. I assume that will be for future picks would be my guess uh, for like picks in 2022 or something, because again, they already have nine picks. They don't need any more in this draft. They really, truly don't. Um, Where do you kind of come out on the, on the, on a possible trade back scenario? See, that's where I go different. Okay. If they're, if they're going to trade back a little bit, that pick is going to be in 2021. That pick that they're going to accumulate in that trade back you think it's, it's going to be, be in 2021? Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be early enough, and it's going to be in 2021. 
in because they're going to they're if they do that it's going to be the same thing that they did a few years ago when they had five picks in the first i don't know 90 something yeah it's it's going to be the accumulation of talent they don't have a ton of holes on this team but there's areas of this roster that a lot of people think are just oh no that's safe that's safe that's no, safe I, don't don't think that i agree with that yeah you know especially when you're looking at a team that wants to develop their own, have that control, maintain the cap, give them the options on them making the moves, not being dependent on having to go spend $17 million on a wide receiver. You know, it's, you know, it's an, it's, a, it's like a tinkering toy with them. It's like a Rubik's cube. And sure. they're, just, they're just sitting there bouncing this damn thing around. If I think if they do trade it back, that pick that their game is going to be in 2021. So in that scenario, I guess in that, so let's say, you know, you trade back, you pick up another 2021 pick. Now you have 10 picks in the draft. So they could use that to move up all throughout this draft if they right. wanted to. Yeah, Second, that's where you just... Yes. So I could, yeah. Okay. If that's what they did, because I got to believe that's what they do. If they did do that, if they were yeah, you... You yeah. have no choice. You got to piggyback. I mean, you just got to start yeah. making moves. Yeah. And you, it, it just gives them just such prime ammunition to just go out there and just destroy the real estate, man. Just go get, <laughs> go get it because it's there. If you're sitting on 10 picks and you, there's no way in hell they're going to select nine or 10 guys. You know, there, there's no option. You're either going to couple those up or you're going to do the same thing they do every year trade trade something out for the next year and gain yep. around on them yep. and just just keep the pipeline of flowing yeah absolutely i i, I mm. this is such an intriguing draft lane it is and it's like you said it's, for me and i agree with you it's because that where they're sitting right. at, at 26 i uh it's one of the i'm i i have draft fatigue now like i just want it to be here because i <laughs> i i can't i can't take not knowing and wondering and reading and it's like it needs to be here fast i feel, you, I feel your pain <laughs> i bet you do i'm over it already and we're not even there yet <laughs> i know man we're a good week out yet i can't i can't um before we uh move on to the final segment of the show man is there uh any uh any uh juicy nuggets you'd like like to drop here or anything any thoughts final thoughts on this uh browns offseason and into the draft the best thing i can say is that we haven't heard anything about odell beckham being traded in the last 24 hours <laughs> which which is a fabulous thing um we don't have to we don't have to worry about jarvis landry being released because <laughs> of his salary Baker Mayfield hasn't gained any weight. That's good. <laughs> and we and we haven't changed regimes. We have the same head coach for the second year, the same GM. Oh, something is wrong in Cleveland. Something is quite wrong. It, it, it really, man. And we haven't really even really touched on Stefanski that much, but man, he's uh, he's really good, man. Who the hell? <laughs> Does a does a hell of a job. I mean, he communicates well. He does. I mean, he, he really does. Way, that's a good way to put it. You know, and he got a locker room, and you know they they buy into him. He just he's straight with him. 
and you don't get that a lot. I mean, sometimes it's hard to be just straight and open sure. with every personality because pers- a lot of these personalities, they don't want to hear that shit. Yeah, no, you're right. You know? And, you know, he tries to be as straight as there is. And he's, he's done a hell of a job. And, you know, the staff has done a good job. You know, th- it's, this is a staff that coaches. Yes. They coach. They're people. It's not not some BS where, you know, you're, your coach is above it all or he coaches an asshole who does nothing but scream and has no idea what he's doing. They, these guys coach. They get it. They care. And you're seeing players with that same that same mindset. That this is a it's a close team, and it's just interesting yeah. to watch the development. And you know, barring just something crazy, it's only going to get better, right? I know, and I, I think one one person that definitely deserves some credit, if you want to speak upon that a little bit, you've already mentioned what a genius he is because he is that being Paul Depot, yeah, Paul De Podesta. Um, he deserves a lot of credit for this turnaround, doesn't he? Sure he does. I mean, he's, he's instrumental in it. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's basically the ringleader of ringleaders, right? You know, we're, we're talking about the guy who wanted to hire the head coach. That's the head coach. Now a year prior, he, he's the one who basically has sat down with the Haslam's and drew up this plan. He, for a guy who's not sitting his ass in Bria every day, <laughs> You talk about one influential guy. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's fortunate that, you know, the Haslam's didn't go batshit crazy and do something stupid. And they continued to let him do his thing and finally listen to him because. Yeah. You, you can say what you want. He's he's the ringleader of an organization that's really done one hell of a job over the last 18 months or so. Ugh. Again, I can't believe we're here, Lane, and we're just here, so I'm just going to enjoy it. And I, I suggest all Browns fans, man, just soak it in. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, who you knows? Know, you know, this is this is really one interesting podcast. I have never sat lounging <laughs> on a back porch with my feet up. This is beautiful. Just, just talking shit. Yeah, that's, you know, I appreciate that, Lane, because honestly, my man, that's exactly what I'm going for on this podcast. Yeah, I, you know, that's, we, that's we, it. Any of, any of us can do the stuff shirt, blah, blah, blah stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I just like I say on social media, I just keep it real. I mean, you may not like what I have to say. Sure. But you're just going to say it the way it is. And that's just it. And yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate this format. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it too. And you know, and, and I'm a realist too. This format's not going to be for every Browns fan. It's not. Uh, oh. You know, a lot of lot, there's a there's a portion of Browns fans that they just want to tune in to a to a Browns radio show or a or a Browns podcast and and listen to someone that knows what they're talking about, talk what they're talking about, <laughs> and then uh, end of show and that's it. Uh, that's the complete opposite. of what i want to do lane (laughs) this is not the same old browns podcast this is different buddy you have achieved that goal (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it man and this this last segment that i do with all guests man this is kind of more of the format that i'm shooting for 
Uh, this last segment, I like to close out the show with five random ass questions where oh, I, I just ask you five random ass questions. They could be about the Browns. They might not be about the Browns. They could be about anything. So okay. uh, you ready for five random ass questions? Let's do it. All right. I'm excited. Number one, best pizza spot in Cleveland. Oh, shit. Yeah, baby. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Master pizza. I like it. You know, I've never had it. Next oh, time, oh, love it. it. Okay, next time I'm in, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Uh, I think some. I think they've sponsored some. I don't know if it was KNR or 923 The Fan. I've yeah. heard them. I've heard this place. It's yeah, good, huh? What's your go-to? What's your go-to? Love go-to me some master pizza, boy. What's your go-to pie there? You know, I'm I'm a traditional one. I like the meats and I like some onion. I like. Dude, I, I switch it up. It's never Hell the yeah. same thing. I like it, man. I like it. I never Variety, the same baby. Thing. Variety, baby. All right. Number two. Um, give me a memorable scoop you received that was accurate and one that was not accurate over the years. Could be anything. <laughs> Something that sticks out that's memorable that was damn right on accurate and something that because i i gotta believe lane we didn't really touch on this i gotta believe there's been over the years you've gotten some bad information oh sure yeah i i think the the one that i i enjoyed the most was um the butch davis hiring okay just because nobody had it and i knew the right people (laughs) so that's awesome yeah you know which led to other things Sure. Uh, a bad one. Yeah. Well, so, um, so one, so essentially a scoop that was not accurate where it's just like, Jesus, you mother <laughs> or, mm. or, or just like, damn it. That was not very accurate. That, you know, that, it's, it's, geez, that's a tough one because yeah. you, you, you hear a lot of dumb shit and <laughs> I, I don't really talk about it until I true, true. You know, I get you know, what you're saying. You don't run a, with it. A, yeah. Uh, here, I'll put it this way. There used to be a guy who wore number two in Cleveland where there was always some dumb shit with that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, there were stories about him that didn't pan out that uh, <laughs> they probably were true, but nobody wanted to put their face to it. Did he did he go by the alias of Billy? <laughs> oh, sure as shit did. <laughs> Oh man, I let's let's go to Vegas. Let's yeah. let's oh, get plowed. Fuck, I mean, fuck me. What the fuck? <laughs> and, 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 you know, and everybody this day sits there and they want to beat the shit out of Ray Farmer for that selection. No, you know, so don't 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 put that evil on Ray Farmer. No, no, <laughs> that had Jimmy Haslam all, written all over it, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a. Johnny Manziel's one one hell of a story. Him and Josh Gordon. So. Cool, good times. Yeah, yeah, yep. Because I was I I still lived in Los Angeles during that era, and I met there was all those reports of Josh and Johnny party party. Uh, I can't even speak. Partying it up in L.A. and uh, they left the supposedly left this rental unit a, a disaster. <laughs> yeah, good times, man. Well, man. well, it is four twenty, and you can't speak. And that couple is guys, couple guys we <laughs> talked about may not be able to speak either. So it's all good. <laughs> that. That's true. <laughs> it is four twenty when we're recording this, and I leave. I live in a state where it's actually legal, so 
I might even have to hit up the uh, dispensary today. We'll see. All right. Number three. <laughs> number three. Um, I think, you know, I'm a huge horror fan. I, I co-host a horror movie yes. podcast called Dead in Santa Carla. And I'm kind of gauged from you a little bit that. One, I think you're you you, you like movies and and yeah. you're not opposed to horror and whatnot. So nope. here's here's a horror movie. Here's a horror question for you. Mm-hmm. I want you to rank these horror icons worst to best: Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and Michael Myers. So we have oh. we have. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you're familiar oh. with all three of these. Now I couldn't rank oh. these because I love all three unconditionally. Wow. I don't even know how one would do that. But if you can oh. rank these three horror icons, Freddie, oh. Jason, and Michael, go for it, man. I want to go with Freddie because Wes Craven's a Clevelander. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. No, so, and ooh, Michael Myers. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> They're all great, right? <laughs> I can't it- do it. I, I watch all that shit, so I, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I like I like the reason for having Freddie number one. Wes Craven, the great late Wes Craven, is a Cleveland right. native. He sure is. I yeah, mean, I, I don't I don't know if I'm watching a Wes Craven movie or John Carpenter. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what it is. I just got done watching Christine last night. Oh, that's a that's a that's an underrated one. Yes, it is. That's an underrated <laughs> Carpenter film, and a, and honestly, an underrated uh, Stephen King adaptation. Extremely, Ex- exactly. Love Christine, <laughs> dude. That is a really good film adaptation of, of a Stephen King novel for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm huge in the horror, man. I, I well, you know, I, I, I movies and film have been a big part of my life right. since I can remember. My my dad first opened up a video store in 1985 when I was four in Ashtabula, Ohio. Oh, really? Yeah, man. So wow, I was wild. Yeah. So I was essentially raised in a video store from age four, started working in them in like age 11, age 12, all the way through high school. And he had them even from when I moved to L.A. when I was 20. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. So it was uh, it was that that that's where that's where the monster was born. So I you guess. got all those posters and everything too. He, he still got a lot of stuff. Oh, Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a cool childhood to grow up in a video that, store. That would be cool. It was, it was different. Uh, a lot of people in, in grade school and high through high school wanted to be friends with me because of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll give you a thumbs up. That, that, your, your third, your third question was a lot better than a second one. I didn't give a shit about that Brown stuff that the horror. Yeah. That, well, that, yeah. That, I'm there. I love it. So you are, I, I try to drop a horror question somewhere in there with every guest. You are the first guest that I've had on that loves horror. So that's perfect for me, man. Love it. I, I watch everything, man. And I, I've always watched horror flicks. So I, yeah, I love it all too. It's not even just horror for me. I love all film drama, comedy. I, yeah, I, I, watch. I, I love all movies. So, I, well, I, I have so much time on my hands these days, you know, so I, I sure. sort of gotten I've gotten accustomed to my television just having <laughs> flick sure. after flick playing on sure. it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That was a good question. I like that. Number four. I know you're a huge uh, I know you're another interest of yours. I know you're into music. Um, uh-huh. Beatles or the Stones, man. Neither. Neither. Not a fan. Not a big fan of either. Nope. All not right. A big fan of either. All right, give me, give me, uh, what's okay? What's your favorite genre of music? See, I, I listen to all kind of shit. I, Same. you know, I don't, 
I don't get myself pigeonholed in anything. Sure. I mean, not, I'm not a, I'm not a big country music fan. That is the one I'm not a huge fan of either. Same. You know, I'm, I'm not that, um, you know, my, my kids are, I got a, especially one of my sons of an age that listens to rap and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you could find me at a little Wayne and Nicki Minaj concert. Oh yeah. Let's, oh yeah. I was there, let's man. Go. Let's go. And that you, I love that, dude. I'm telling you, man, it was a Rick Ross was in that thing. I was just, <laughs> you talk about some banging ass noise that dude, I'm telling you, I'd do that shit again. I love it, man. I love it. Oh yeah. I mean, I like stuff. Like, I listen to all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. I like pink Floyd. Yeah. Me I mean, too. Me I, too. You know, the local guys here. I mean, I, I really liked Michael Stanley. You know, I like stuff like Donnie Iris. I mean, I like sure. stuff like like some of that different type of rock when with Blondie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. You know, I, Rush, Van yeah, Halen. Oh, I love Rush, dude. I love you know, Rush. It's just, I, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one of them people. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the map. It, it's if you put a dot somewhere. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, I, I noticed you, uh, you. You tend to tweet out some songs and whatnot uh, every now and then on Twitter, and I always think that. So I had to throw in a music question here. All right, number five. Um, this one is Browns related. Hate to disappoint. Oh. You. Hate to disappoint you, but it, it's a good one. I think it's okay. a good one. I think it's a good one. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I can't even read the fucking thing. I'm laughing. All right. Okay. Who had a more positive impact on the Browns? Mike Holmgren or Joe Banner? Joe Banner. Ooh, elaborate. Oh, Joe Banner. <laughs> Joe Banner is one misunderstood football executive. Okay. Um, he's very smart. Yes. He's articulate. He knows what his position is and Fair. has no has no problem exercising his right um he did help get mike lombardi the hell out of here <laughs> i mean that's kudos fireworks and sure all kind of happiness there um that is both both I can't stand here. that guy, by the way, Lombardi. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Both were here overseeing an organization in bad times. Um, Joe Banner gets a lot of shit thrown his way. Sure. Because some of the things that happened here. Um, we would also say that we had a absentee owner to a point also during his time. That's true. Jimmy yeah. Haslam was going through a lot of stuff. He was. Um <laughs> He was a little tied up, Lane. Oh, just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, um, so when you talk about Joe Banner, you talk about he was here in the right when this organization was very dysfunctional internally. Sure. A lot of crazy shit going on inside that organization that there were things that he did that people didn't like and only just made issues worse for him and the perception of him. Mike Holmgren, Mike Holmgren did absolutely nothing. Hey man, he had, he had cigars in his golf cart. He was doing, he was, he was working, man. That dude started wearing Hawaiian shirts. 
dec- a decade after I wore them at training camp. <laughs> so good. Oh, I got there's man. there. Mike Holmgren did very little to help the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I 100% agree. So yes, I will. <laughs> I, I will fight arm net right next to Joe Banner the rest of the day just because you mentioned <laughs> Mike Holmgren. <laughs> yeah, that was that had to be an interesting era to cover. You ain't the getting Browns. no playoff tickets either. Oh my goodness! That, <laughs> good Lord, Mike, 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 Mike. God, yeah, yeah. Pat Shermer's offense is one of the worst Browns offenses I've ever seen. It is. Uh, it was awful, Lane. It every. Was, Everybody that was in Cleveland was Mike Holmgren's boy. Yep. And the good boy old boys did that, league. Boy, did that get this organization somewhere. <laughs> Rode off in the sunset on that motorcycle. What? Let me ask you, why didn't Mike just coach? That's what he should have done. Right? He should have just coached. God. But, but, but the, easy, the easy thing was to do shit and get paid $10 million a year to do it. <laughs> He was living the fucking dream, man. He really was. I mean, he, he's a perfect <laughs> example of why the Browns paid head coach after they paid three head coaches at once. I mean, <laughs> they've probably got his face on a mantle saying this is the program. <laughs> you know, Andy, oh, people, oh. Are gonna, people are either going to love or hate this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. No, I think they're going to quite enjoy it because. I tell you late a lot of it's, it's been a pleasure to kind of get to know you from afar for these past so many years. And I, I know a lot of Browns fans on Twitter, they, 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 I mean, you know, you, you see your mentions every day, they turn to you for, you know, to maybe drop a nugget or they, they wait for you to post you know, they're, they're anticipating it with, they can't wait for you to post something in rumor central on the OBR. So um, I think I actually, I don't think I know a lot of Browns fans that know you are going to enjoy this episodes. And the ones that don't know you yet, you definitely need to look, you, you definitely need to get to know Lane Atkins. And speaking of which drop those plugs right now, Lane, work, work can work in our phone. Fine folks of Browns nation. Find you, my dude. You can find our fine group of guys who do a, just a bang-up job at theobr.com. There's always something there to read. There's always something there to watch. Fantastic film work, evaluation, a lot of stuff in the forums. Great community. And every once in a while, we just drop a little tidbit here and there for you. Yeah. you get. I love the crew that you guys have over there. It, it's, a, it's a really I, – I think I mentioned this to Jake when I had him on. Uh, it's a real good mixed bag, man. It, it is. It really is. And it is. And and just imagine, not everybody can have the living legend, my guy, Fred Griffin, <laughs> yes, out there in Berea every day. <laughs> the one guy who's out there is doing the media job who doesn't write the same story as everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely, That's man. The- that's He's, the living legend. You go for, to the OBR just just to read the living legend. That's all I can say. I love it, man. I love it. I'll put uh, guys in the links in this description. And I'm sure most of you are very familiar with Lane and, and the OBR. But in case you're not, 
Uh, in the description of this episode, I will put the link to the OBR's website and also to Lane's Twitter. If you want to follow Lane on Twitter and check out the OBR. Like I said, guys, they have a subscription service where you can find out some really juicy nuggets and tidbits and uh, from, from their insiders like Lane. Um, what's going on with the Browns, what they're doing. I mean, Lane had Lane. I mean, I'm just going to say it. You had this clowny thing a long time ago, man. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, every once in a while, you know? <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. You know? What, what, yeah, what we else? don't. I mean, it, it's just one of those things. You don't, you don't run around and pat yourself on the back, but you know, every once in a while, yeah. I just make some off the wall comments about it. When, you know, <laughs> I see some of the, some of the local fish wraps, you know, yep. trying to steal the thunder of people because, you know, I, I'm an everyday person, just like you, you are just yeah. like, just Absolutely. like every, all of our people on Twitter, people who follow me, who I follow, you follow, we're all just normal people. We want to know what the hell's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, so don't, don't take everybody's, you know, thunder, let them, let them enjoy shit. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over these years and, I can't thank you enough for coming on here today. This was a shit ton of fun, Lane. Like yeah, it, I, it really was. And I hope you had fun as well, my dude. I, I have yet to sit up and <laughs> chill and just talk like this in a, in a long time. Hey, man, you're welcome. I, I, you're welcome back anytime, my friend. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And guys, uh, definitely check out Lane. Check out the OBR. All those links will be in the description. Uh, anything you want to say before, you, before we get out of here, Lane? Uh, it's been real, and we'll do this again. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. All right, guys, as always, my friends, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, next week, we will be dropping. Are you, I've been dropping the episodes on Wednesdays usually. Next week, we will drop it on a Monday. That's going to be our draft preview show. I'm still lining up some things for that. I think I, I have one already locked down, and I'm trying to get another person to come on and try to do a little panel thing for the draft to get us all fully prepped. For everything and at Browns NFL draft. As always, guys, this is not the same old Browns podcast. This is different. I am Andy Lytle. Thank you so much for listening and go Browns, baby.